0: hello and welcome to our dramatic assets with rebecca ann bloom and ryan mcgregor so i'm rebecca
1: and i'm ryan
0: and we're just gonna do this like we're chatting to each other
1: that sounds good
0: okay all right what's up brother
1: (laughs) oh you know how are you surviving quarantine
0: well (laughs) (laughs) that's apparently all i have to give It's just well um it's okay it's not my favorite thing that's for sure i'm kind of just hanging out in my apartment alone uh i have two cats so i mean that's exciting but that's all the company i have right now what about you
1: well as you know i work as a flight attendant and i'm missing my job i'm missing flying and traveling
0: yeah for sure because you are grounded right now
1: Yeah, and they just extended the time that we're grounded by a month or so. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Just trying to roll with the flow a little bit with that.
0: Yeah. So I guess you're just in your house primarily then, just not doing anything, literally. Because, like, I'm working from home, but you're obviously not.
1: You're working from home, which is great. No, I'm not. I can't work from home. I wish I could. <laughs> I've just I've just been watching a lot of TV shows and movies. I recently binge-watched with my partner this great show. It's new on Netflix. It's called Never Have I Ever. Have you heard of this?
0: I've heard of it. Is it like reality or is it like scary because I, my gut says it's scary?
1: No, actually it's the opposite. Okay. So it's a teen, it's a teen comedy. Oh. Yeah. And it's it's I I don't know if it's produced by or made by or inspired by Mindy Kaling. I'm sorry. I'm not giving her proper credit for this, but it's it's really good. I'm going to Google it. Yeah, it has great representation of like minority groups in different cultures. And it also questions political correctness, which I find very interesting that they went there and just called it out. Such a progressive show was able to do that. Like so.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ooh. Oh, hello. Oh, yes. There's so many minority groups. Bless.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: guess I feel like we should describe who we are to the audience because we're not like a Conan O'Brien type duo that already has a media presence. So perhaps we should explain who we are.
1: <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So, for any of you that have clicked and are listening, thank you so much, first of all. And then you would have seen by our title card that there's a lovely, like, caricature of our faces. And so I'm obviously a person of color. I've never actually been comfortable saying, like, I'm black or a person of color because I've never known what my full nationality is. So, yeah, I don't know how to navigate that. I've never really seen myself as, like, black or Filipino or blank. So I've kind of just been like, hi, I'm Rebecca. But yes, I am. I am the person of color on the front of our title card.
1: Yeah, I feel like that ever since I've known you, you've always just kind of been yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're you're not big on just giving yourself a label just because I feel like you're human first. Mm. Mm. But you're proud of who you are. And you're discovering that more every day. And I think that's a journey that you can just take in your adult life.
0: Mm hmm. Wow, that's super insightful. Actually, I like that. <laughs> that's your opinion, your opinion of me. You're human first. That's really cool. We should dive deep into that in a different topic time, because I would love to assess that more.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm now like having like a full existential thought in my brain, which is why I want to like <laughs> bookmark that for like a separate episode. <laughs>
1: I feel like I say this and I don't know, some people might roll their eyes, but I feel like we're not all that different.
0: You and me or people?
1: Yeah, you and I and people and everybody. Okay. And I feel like that goes without saying, but mm-hmm. we are, we, ha- we we have differences. I guess humans like to put other humans in boxes, but the reality is we're more complicated than that. So for me, I'm Caucasian and I have British ancestry.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm very proud of that, but I also recognize diversity in my life is super important for me Mm -hmm. and to have diverse friends and opinions and groups. I find that really enriching. I live with my partner, so I identify as LGBT. This is a super inclusive space and you should just be who you are and you should say how you feel. I'm about being real. Like I'm a very, like, try to be honest person an authentic person and I feel like you're the same way
0: yeah and I think that's what resonated when we first met so we should give a little bit of a backstory for our audience our listeners but Ryan and I met in university I guess the first day even like we met orientation day because we were clumped together in like groups to explore the campus and for the most part the people that ended up staying in university after like the first hell week (laughs) From that group were like our core group of friends and yeah you and I connected on a lot of levels in terms of like we had very similar goals very similar ambitions and stuff like that but then we also were just pretty wild like a calm wild I don't know to, do you know what I'm saying like how do I describe that like our our personalities on the inside are like crazy but externally on the outside we're pretty calm
1: yeah yeah well I feel like it took a while to come out of our shells yes I still struggle with that too like just pushing myself into new boundaries and just telling myself like just do it and who cares kind of what people think but you do care so it's it's hard Mm -hmm. but we also were the kind of people in university that encouraged each other to do things like oh skip class and go get pizza and bring it back for the rest of us (laughs) (laughs)
0: So there's that one day where I was like, we are going to listen to this midterm review. And everyone else in our group of friends were like, no, we're going to go to Target.
1: (laughs) Or that. Remember that? Wow. When there was Target in Canada? Wow.
0: Throwback. Oh, bless. I miss Target. I miss, I live in a very small town and I miss the ability to go to a store that has it's like a Walmart option, but, like, in my small town, we don't have that. We have, like, the Superstore, and that's it. Yeah, I had to think about it. That's that's it, really. I mean, yeah, we have Giant Tiger. <laughs> like, that's the equivalent of our Target slash Walmart.
1: <laughs> Love it. GT Boutique.
0: Honestly, their leggings, fantastic. 10 out of 10.
1: Yeah, you can get some great stuff, but I know what you mean. You don't have a lot of options. No. So would you describe yourself living in the country?
0: Mm, yes and no. So you're living in a bigger city. You moved from a smaller town to a bigger city with your partner. Correct. And then for me, I moved out of my parents' house but stayed in the same town because my parents are older. <clears throat> and so I just kind of wanted to stay close by. I would say I'm in like the the town, like the city part. But- I wouldn't really say I'm in the country either because, I mean, you drive five miles out of this city and there's, like, cows and farms. So I'm not, like, in that area of country, quote unquote. But it still takes, like, two hours to get to the next biggest city. (laughs) So.
1: (laughs) Right. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I've definitely, I wasn't raised, like, country. Like, I, I was raised closer to Toronto. So. I understand the city life a lot more than like farms and tractors and stuff like.
1: <laughs> right. That makes sense. Yeah. How do you feel it is living on your own and being independent and supporting yourself now as a young adult, done university and in your in your career job?
0: I don't know if you have a similar thought, but it's very different than what I thought in my brain as opposed to like what's actually happening. I'm not sure if you've experienced that, but for me... You realize as soon as you move out that you have all the bills, all the responsibilities. And I suppose that's not something we really think about when we're living with our parents. We're kind of just like, we're going to move out. We're going to get out of this house. It's going to be great. We're going to be independent. But like independent doesn't just mean you can do what you want. You can eat ice cream for dinner. You can (laughs) go party and not have your mom call you and be like, where are you? I'm worried. Like it literally means your rent is due. Oh my God, it's May 1st. My rent is due. Oh
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Literally, just okay. I'm just gonna pay my rent right now on this podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, so responsible. <laughs> Love it.
0: Um, but like, yeah, my rent is due. I have car insurance payments. I need to make sure that I don't go into my overdraft in my bank account. <laughs> like, like that is something I didn't really count on, as well as budgeting. Like, I was fairly good. You can remember in university, I was fairly good with keeping my spending pretty low but i mean there's university spending and then there's girl you got to eat for a month on this paycheck spending Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: well budgeting is difficult
0: it is so difficult what about you what are you what are your biggest changes do you feel from living at home to living well also you live in a bigger city so like it's almost like double rent (laughs) alone yeah (laughs) compared to mine
1: I mean, yeah, absolutely. The rent is crazy. And I think if you ever want to live in Toronto and buy a house and get involved in the real estate market, obviously that's very difficult. It's not to say it can't be done, it requires a lot of discipline, it requires a lot of saving, and it requires compromise. I don't think at this point, mm. in my experience, that I could get everything that I ever wanted, my whole entire wish list, in in a house or somewhere in a job and have everything I want in the city. I just think that's not really realistic as far as budgeting. I think financial decisions that I made in university, poor financial decisions are still kind of continuing to haunt me slightly, but I'm getting over it. I'm I'm almost at a point where it's mm-hmm. I've paid all these debts down. No more school debt. And I'll be able to put that money away that I've been putting towards debt repayment and actually put it into a mortgage. But don't you wish that we had more of that in school?
0: Oh, my gosh. I was literally talking to my mom about that this week or yeah, this week. It's Friday today. And how frustrated I was at the fact that we learned slope and like Y equals BMX slacks or whatever that equation was. But no one told us how to do your taxes, how to start saving for your mortgage. Like that was not at all given to us. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. so this two grand I have in my bank account is going to get me absolutely nothing. Cool, love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go far, does it? I mean, mm-hmm. the cost of living is so high.
0: Absolutely. And I was talking to a career counselor today as well, and. She's like, "Do you need any assistance?" cuz obviously we're like we're in self-isolation, working from home, some people aren't even working. And she's like, "Do you need assistance?" And I'm like, "No, but that's because I'm not driving to and from work. Like where I work is almost an hour away from where I live, and that gas adds up." So like I'm spending 200, 300$ just in gas alone. Wow. So that is a large chunk of where my money goes. And so at the end of the month, I'm not usually breaking even, which says a lot about the way our economy is set up and the way our society is set up because I'm making more than the minimum wage, but it still doesn't cover all all my expenses. Like, it's not even the wants. Like, I, I have a want list, but I tend not to really assess the want list because I'm still like, girl, you got to hustle your butt because... <laughs> You got all these bills to pay.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: no you no you can't go to the movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Aw, so sad but true.
0: What is it for you because you're a flight attendant? Like are you paid hourly, paid per flight? Like how does that even
1: work? So I basically make more money the more that I fly. Okay. And that I'm paid for a minimum amount of hours whether I fly those hours or not. So the incentive for me is to work more hours and fly more. Mm. I feel like the struggle, at least in Toronto, is a lot of people either make low wage, their salaries are low or their salaries are quite high. And there doesn't seem to be as many people in the middle. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why the city of Toronto itself is not trying to bring us Into Toronto, but rather they're trying to get us out. They're trying to push us out because the environment is not ideal to save money to afford to live. So I'm curious how that's different for you, where you are.
0: Ooh, I never even thought of that. Okay. Well, my town is primarily senior citizens. And so that's kind of a whole other thing. Because when you think Toronto, you think like you're going there to further your career, you're going there for more opportunities. And then, of course, you get there and you're like, yikes, it's expensive. But, like, in my town, it's like, you come here to retire. You come here to to relax in your cottage-like environment. You have saved up all of, all of your wealth of working for 60-plus years, and now you can just enjoy your perfectly manicured lawn. And so there's not a lot of hope, I would say, for the young people. And there's definitely... I know a lot of young families want to settle in this area, in the like the Kortha Lakes area, because it is quieter. You know, there's just more land for their kids to run around and stuff like that. The taxes are cheaper, like housing taxes, property taxes. The housing prices are cheaper. But with that comes the fact that you are probably going to have to commute for work. And so that kind of like I know a lot of people in my workplace do the debate of should we move here? And try to look for jobs? Or should we move and just keep the job we have? Like, can we afford that extra little bit of the commute? So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's no ideal place to live, really. It's like whatever you make it, I guess, is the moral of the story. And depends on what you're hoping for in the next few years. Question for you like, we're at an age, how old are we? (laughs) Wait. Oh, are you and I both the same age? Yeah, we're both the same age right now. Yeah, um, our birthdays are really close together. So I couldn't remember if we were the same age now, but we are. And then there's like a month between us. Yeah, so we're both 25. How do you feel life planning is going for like the five-year plan? Because back in my parents' day, Like, you would work a couple jobs, you'd have your set career kind of thing, and then you would plan your family, your house, your retirement fund, your kids' schooling fund. It's so different now. Are you finding, like, can you even plan for a couple years, or are you literally living by the seat of your pants?
1: That's a very good question. I think right now it's very hard to plan and to envision anything because the self-isolation is still going on out there. It's a very weird kind of environment. Hmm. It's hard to sort of plan anything right now. Nobody's really hiring. I mean, there is some places that will need people, but it's not an ideal working environment. Yeah. I would say the biggest lesson that I've learned at this point is you can't stretch yourself too thin. Mm-hmm. If you wanna do something. You need to focus on it and you need to work at it and you need to invest time in it. And it's not just going to be something that just falls into your lap. And I think at this point in your life, if you really want to do something, you should do it because you don't want to regret not trying something. Mm. And now is a great time to still try something. Yeah. It's not too late. Is If that makes sense, you know?
0: Absolutely. And that kind of... And that's kind of why we started brainstorming this idea to have a podcast, even because you and I were having a a chat one day. We devoted quite a bit of time over the last month to cultivating this this brand that is just taking off because this is our first podcast. So <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> but but we did put a lot of work into like seeing whether this was even a worthwhile idea, whether we had enough to talk about, whether like this could could last a season or even longer and then what we can build on from that and yes I think this is a great time self-isolation time is great to start thinking and reassessing your life goals I'm not sure if you're feeling the same way
1: I exactly totally agree I've always wondered what the process of creating media is like and I feel like you and I definitely have that in common I think you you touched on this a little bit as whether or not, you know, something that you do like a podcast would ever be successful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the fear of failure is real and I think it holds a lot of us back from trying because we'd rather not be disappointed with failing, but I think that's what you need to do. You have to try things and I'm pretty sure J.K. Rowling you know, writing the Harry Potter series. She was rejected by publishers before she was finally accepted. And look what happened. Right. The rest is history.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to see if I can pull up this text conversation I had with my friend just the other day. I had to, full disclosure, when you asked about how my (laughs) quarantine was going, I wasn't sure whether I would hop on this topic or not. But I'll mention that I did take a mental health day yesterday just because I got so burnt out and stressed that I literally on Wednesday had like a full, like a good cry, like a hour cry. I was talking to my partner on the phone because he's currently self-isolating elsewhere. And I was just like, yo, you need to like check yourself. You need to reassess where you're at and why you're not happy with this situation. And so my lovely friend, I was texting back and forth with her and a it's a uh, love eye message like scrolling back and you're like
1: hmm,
0: hopefully there it is. Okay, so I sent her a lot of voice messages cuz I was at the point that I, <laughs> I was just so tired that I didn't feel like texting but I felt like telling her it was happening. So I just sent her a bunch of voice messages and the thing that she took out of it immediately was this quote, actually upset but I'm also hangry, <laughs> which <laughs> which <laughs> describes describes my life. But we just had this whole conversation about how we feel a lot of pressure to be perfect as people that are creatives.
1: Accurate.
0: Um, She is going to school to be a writer and, you know, she's just trying to get published anywhere. And she was talking about how it's a mental battle with herself to submit stories just because it's like a one in million shot that she'll get published. And. It's like we want the comfort of the nine to five life and the paycheck, but we can't stomach it. That's what Margaret said in her her quote here. And I just like I resonate with that so well. I don't know it's hard to be like some someone that wants like a kind of a freelance or self employed lifestyle or a creative lifestyle that like there not there isn't an option of being in that form of employment and secure.
1: Yes. And I feel like now, so you mentioned kind of everything that's going on with COVID. And I think it's a very sad time for people. It's just one of those things that I even debate whether or not I even want to talk about it all because people have died. It's so sad Mm -hmm. that it's almost like you don't even want to talk about it anymore because you hear about it on the news. And I'm sure in creative industries, that's all they're doing, like a marketing person. Is creating material on, you know, the 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 virus. I'm sure they want to talk about something else now too. So everybody feels that even in the creative industry. Absolutely. How do you feel about your sort of progression? And you know, what 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 do you want to do as far as creative industry? Because I know you're an actor as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should probably mention that we're both. I mean, very very baby actors quite green but you know we have our agents we 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 trying to hustle (laughs) um the industry currently is closed so we can't really hustle very hard but we're trying last year i guess was a bigger year for us because you got you got some things i got a couple months stint at a theater which was really great and it's it sucks that covid is occurring like on so many levels like the fact that people are losing family members and friends Is brutal. The fact that our frontline workers are separated from their families because they are taking care of lives, like that is brutal. And the fact that so many businesses are suffering, and I'm not talking about like the big box stores, I'm talking about like the flower shop that I used to work at, how like everyone in a small business environment has to rethink how they're going to make their money, how they're going to support their livelihoods. And then for us creative people, I thought that after I got my gig last year, I got it in November, it gave me so much momentum to be like, yes, this is where you should be. This is what you're going to do. And I was going to take that energy and just put it into every audition, every like learning opportunity. And then COVID came and kind of just (laughs) just gave me a good slap in the face and was like, not today, Um, (laughs) ma'am. And I don't. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like my motivation is has literally been sucked away.
1: Yeah, so I guess you mentioned it as far as getting work. I was told by someone that works in the industry, well, I can't really give my existing clients work, so I can't really take on new clients. Therefore, opportunities are kind of scarce. Mm-hmm. I also want to touch on my experience acting On set as an extra. Mm. I enjoy it. I I loved being an extra. I loved the experience that you get from working on set. And I feel like this is super cool. What I didn't like about it was that you are kind of not really acting. You're an extra. So you're kind of like a prop in the sense for the set. Mm. So they can cut you out if they need to. Like you're getting paid for it, which is great. Which I loved. To, and you're gaining experience on set but i find that as far as progression in being a serious actor it might not be the best pathway for me mm-hmm. i also found a lot of people like not to throw shade but they were sleeping on set and i was like no, no i just was a i just i take this more seriously than that that i just couldn't do that i could never do that like i could never mm-hmm be that unprofessional so I was kind of at a loss as to what to do now for you you were in a theatrical show
0: yeah mm-hmm. so I there was a moment in time last year where I envied you because you I mean as much as you were an extra you were you had that experience on set. So you knew the processes versus me who was just going to auditions you know hoping and praying um, for everyone and then I send a self-tape to a feeder based off of the recommendation of a of a colleague that I met um, and they said like send in your resume and your headshot because uh, they're looking for someone for their pantomime for anyone that doesn't know what a pantomime is it's it's a British tradition it usually happens in the holidays and it's it's a fun take on like a nursery rhyme or a fairy tale, but it's written usually by the director and they add in like current, current events or local uh, inside jokes and stuff to really attract the audiences that they, that they would like. And so I sent in my headshot, my resume, and a self-tape where I had to sing and I had to do a monologue and it's supposed to be a comedic monologue, and I remember being in my room panicking <laughs> and being like, I can't memorize this monologue for the heck of it. And so I just decided to write my own based off of a character that I hope to play in the show. And I guess that's what got me the gig, question mark, because within a few days I was hired and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> I'm going to be a star (laughs) and I went yeah I went from like a wedding one day home packed up and then went to this theater for two amazing months it was two and a bit it was so much fun and working for a live audience
1: that's amazing
0: Like, the energy that you get is fantastic versus, I guess, I'm not sure because I haven't been on a film set yet, but for you, because you're you're acting to a camera, you're just acting in this space as opposed to, like, getting the energy of people already watching and being, like, taken on that story with you.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Which do you you think you would prefer?
1: Well, that's a good question. The only theater experience that I have is from high school. Bless. right? And they teach you (laughs) to kind of enunciate your voice and project, which they don't really, you don't really need to do that in other venues. That's really just a theater thing. So here I am just like screaming out (laughs) what I'm saying. And it's like, no, you don't need to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because they have like the mics.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I, I think, you know, from you sharing your story about preparing a monologue, and whatnot. I don't think people appreciate always the effort that goes into creative things. Mm. It takes a while. It's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Have you had like scenes sent to you before uh, to like memorize and then just show up the next day and pray, (laughs) pray that it works out? Because I think that's the most stressful moment is you get the email and you're like, cool, I have this script and I have this time and I have to fulfill the time in between that with memorizing and then I have to fulfill the time in the room with being the best sparkly self that you possibly can be and hope that they like not only your take of it, but also you like your look, your personality, like what you have to offer. And that like 24, 48 hours, it is so anxiety filled but also like exciting because you're like oh this could be the chance like oh this this is a great script that I'm reading or this is a great sound bit that I would love to to speak Um, but also you're like shoot 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 what is that one line that I keep slipping and dropping every single time Ugh.
1: (laughs) yeah acting is learning lines like for sure I think the biggest struggle too is characterization and just reading that and understanding who that person is Mm. and then being that character
0: yeah yeah i struggled i struggle in my auditions with that but i also struggled a bit getting to know the character that i was in the pantomime i was miss muffet so she loved cheese afraid of spiders and i noticed the more veteran actors kind of just read their script, took in the character, kind of knew exactly where they were going with it. And then there was me that was like, yeah, I love what I'm seeing. But then once I entered the stage, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I love what I'm given. I don't know if they're reciprocating it. Like that for me, like the first couple of weeks was just getting into that state of mind and being able to just go like, this is my character.
1: Yeah. And I also feel like you are kind of a protege. You are really good and now you're really pursuing your dreams.
0: I'm flattered. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Anyone can do it. I think it's there's this conception that you have to start this kind of thing really young, but I don't think you always do. I think you could wake up one day and be however old and just be like... Yes. I want to be an actor. I want to be a whatever it is you want to do that's creative. Yeah. What's your biggest advice to somebody that's not sure if they should actually pursue this or get this the time? What should they know realistically?
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Realistically, I think, and this is something that I'm still struggling with like every single day, but I think that they should know is that it's going to be painful and I, I live with the hope that it's not always going to be painful like I really hope that you and I will look back in a few years and be like wow that was a rough patch there but we are now pursuing what we we hoped we would be or even if we're not pursuing what we hoped we're pursuing something that is making us genuinely happy but I know for a fact that as a creative person it is so hard for a non-creative person to wrap their mind around what you want to do that are it's not even necessarily an argument it's a disconnect and it feels like you're just ramming your head against the wall Uh, that that's my advice is to understand that that's going to happen and that as a result you are such a strong person for even trying
1: exactly that's like the brave thing how do your parents feel about your career choices given that you have academics and creative pursuits at the same time
0: Oh, what a juicy topic. Yeah, let's discuss. Let's discuss me and, and you. Because we both went into a social science degree. I hopped out of school with two, I guess, technically. And when you first met me, I was so career focused. Like I was hungry for getting that cubicle, getting that nine to five with the benefits. <laughs> because that's what my dad told me I should do. And and then I did get it. I did get a nine to five job as a research assistant and felt my soul literally dying. And so I had to have that conversation with my parents. Like it was literally over dinner one day where I was like, I can't do this. This is, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but I can't. And I remember them literally being like, Oh yeah, you're like, we, you are not happy.
1: (laughs) So this is your experience in university as well.
0: Oh, God, university sucked the life out of me. I don't know if it did for you. I think it did. I'm pretty confident it did (laughs) because I was there with you. You'd pretty
1: confidently be right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, university was brutal. The number of days I cried in university, (laughs) I would say like 75% of my university career was me crying or eating a pizza with you. (laughs)
1: Literally. Well, I think my parents they support my acting and creative industries as a side passion. I think they think it's kind of cool. Mm. And, you know, it was supposed to be the summertime and that was supposed to be a great time to kind of pick up some gigs as we like to call it. That's not obviously that's the lingo. Obviously that's not happening right now. So I think (laughs) they support that (laughs) as well. For me, like, I think if you look at university from the perspective of like, say you went to film school and which my partner did. I think you that's a great thing as far as getting a refined palette of the industry and you sort of like mm-hmm. the lingo and everything and your craft. But if you were to kind of just walk off the street and onto a film set, you'd be learning it from scratch the same anyways. So you don't have to go to school. And I think you don't have to go to university and you don't have to go to college. It just depends on what you want and what you want to take from that, and for me, I think there was obviously a lot going on in my life at the time being a young adult. Mm-hmm. I think adolescence was still a factor in my life there on top on top of the pressures of being yeah in university.
0: We did a lot of growing. I would say in year two and three, I wouldn't necessarily say year one because that was we were still like new to the whole university environment and there was like a weird glamour about it like ooh, we made it we're in university look at us go we could drive cars we're in post-secondary i have all of these books i'm smart (laughs) like i feel like that happened in year one and then year two was like oh oh i actually have to like not only do i have to study but i have to literally become the material I have to want to be what the the university is, is trying to mold me into. And then from there it kind of just went downhill. Like I worked hard, I got a high GPA, like I lived that life. But on the inside, I was like, no, I don't like this at all. And then you similarly had those feelings. And then Yeah.
1: There's a lot of pressure. And it it, it there's a lot of build up to be like, well, you're gonna get into post secondary from high school, but it's it's not, it, education is sometimes about memorization mm. and it shouldn't be. And it's funny because I was, I just seen a commercial on TV for Windsor university where the the actor in the ad specifically says, yeah, this is not about memorization. And I'm like, it's just so funny that they have to put that in there because people have that perception. Obviously people have that perception that it is about memorization and I also thought it was way too focused on theory yeah. in general, and I didn't know how to apply a lot of it right away, and I didn't find a lot of it interesting right away either. And I think that was the struggle, too.
0: Yeah, because we had mandatory courses. We also had our elective courses. A lot of the mandatory ones built upon the other, like, we were in psych, and then we were in psych 2, and blah, blah, blah. We were in, like, a lot of public policy classes together that all basically talked about the same thing, but slightly more in-depth. And by more in-depth, they literally meant, like, here are more readings for you to learn about why the gold standard was pretty cool and how the dollar standard is kind of not. (laughs) Because it was a very liberal school that we went to. and. I found like I was learning interesting things, but also just drowning in information that I couldn't absorb. And so now, like, I'm lo- I'm literally staring at my degree, it's across the room for me, and I'm like, you cost so much money, that piece of paper there, I would say three-fourths of what I learned and regurgitated throughout my five years.
1: Well, at least it shows you're strong enough to to survive. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how I see it.
0: That update. Well.
1: (laughs) I feel like, too, one thing that was really interesting that we talked about in school, social media was really big. Yeah. The whole study of social media, the whole how it's changing the world in so many ways.
0: And I guess it is even like that's heightened now because we're all separated like you and i could be recording this together in a room but we're not we are in our separate households miles and miles or kilometers i guess because we're canadian kilometers apart (laughs) um and um (laughs) and so everyone has had to figure out how to stay connected but also disconnected like half of my conversations are me sending tiktoks to people and then those people replying back going, lolol, or like that cry laughing emoji. Like, it's wild. Like, my mind cannot comprehend it half the time.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny? I feel like in school, when we were in school, it was Vine that was all the thing. And now it's TikTok.
0: Oh, bless. Yeah. And I know there are
1: different things, yes. but you could argue that its predecessor inspired what is now known as TikTok has made a comeback it's great, though. I, I support that creativity, though, too, because it's so organic and you can do whatever you want. But there's a lot of negatives to these kinds of things, too, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I was reading some of the comments on a TikTok video I was watching. It was a painting video because I'm a painter as well. And so I was just trying to figure out like in the comments whether she like mentioned what medium she had been using. And like, there's a lot of like, wow, I love that, love that design, or how do you design that, blah, blah, blah. But then as you're scrolling through, you also see like, that's not art. Wow, you suck. Like, okay, why? Like, why are you so mean? (laughs) Like, just because you don't like her art or you didn't like that video because it wasn't funny, when did we get the permission that we could be rude to people? And I don't know if the world has navigated that effectively how like bullying is now so ingrained in something that we can also enjoy
1: yeah cyberbullying totally and cell phones help with that too yeah. how easy it is just to access it i i don't know what the answer is i think obviously people are jealous and they don't like seeing other people successful yeah people are also hypocritical And they argue points that are not true. They say things because they feel that they can. And I just feel like saying something just because you can say something doesn't make it okay. I feel like our whole being responsible with free speech is not really a thing. Mm. It's just we have the right to say it, so we're just going to say it. And I think that can be a bit problematic.
0: And then another thing is, like, um, and I mean, we can delve deeper into this on a different episode, but, like, there's so many different, like, political sects, Uh, (laughs) S-E-C-T-S, and the way that they clash on social media at this point, it is so aggressive. Like, we don't have protests as often as we used to in, like, the 60s or the 70s, but, like... It happens on Facebook walls instead. And people are, like, calling each other names and then being like, you're not woke because you don't understand this and this and this. And then someone being like, you're a liberal and doctrine has been ingrained in your brain since before you were born. Like, start thinking about yourself. And it's so corrosive, like, sometimes what I read that I I have to, like, hide the post or, like, hide that person because – Like, there are ways to have really great conversations about these topics, and I don't think that's one way of doing it by any means.
1: No. Arguments in Facebook comments, traditionally, in my experience, witnessing it, even occasionally being tempted to wade into one, not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Just avoid it. Mm -hmm. Avoid it for your own stress and well-being. It's not going to change anything. It's just going to make you more upset.
0: Facts. Yeah. I My mom... God love her. She's a great human. Being. I can confirm this. <laughs> but <laughs> one of her best friends lives in Kentucky, so not even in the same country. And her friend shared something about the COVID regulations in the- in her state. And my mom like responded, being like, "Wow, that's kind of crazy. uh The fact that they're still allowing people to go to like religious ceremonies because being in large groups is not recommended currently at this time." And the number of faith people that attacked the post, I was shook. I actually did respond. I've never hopped into a Facebook war before, but I did because I was like, y'all can't attack my mom or her best friend like that. Like, that is not okay. And so I like, I was like firing off references and like fact sheets and lists from the CDC and stuff like that and being like, do you understand what is happening?
1: Good for you, like for standing up for what you what is right and what you believe in, too, like and not being okay with witnessing bullying. That's also important.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm a I'm a believer of faith. Again, another episode that we have planned. So tune in for that one. But there is faith and then there is common sense. And I think especially now people need to understand that it's not it's not really a a thin line between those two. Like, it's not just like you want to celebrate your religion with people. It's the fact that you are potentially endangering lives by doing it in a large group right now. That was my issue. And the response I received from a man was that I'm not supporting the faith that I believe in because I am not worshiping correctly. And I was like, hmm. Okay.
1: Well, obviously that's way uncalled
0: for. <laughs> I was like, "Oh. <laughs> All right, sir."
1: <laughs> I think I don't know why people have taken the fact that they can't congregate, I guess in a faith setting, as an injustice when it's really about safety and nobody really wants to be kept from what they want to do and what they really believe in.
0: Mhm. No one is happy with the situation. I don't I I can't fathom that someone is like yes. I love being stuck in my house without any interaction. Like, I mean, I may be an introvert, but this is not how I love to introvert. And I feel like we should be thankful that we have technology, like the plus side, the positive of technology is that we can still be so connected. We don't have to send a letter in the mail and the person will eventually get it. Like, we could just message someone. We can share faith-based sources online and potentially even reach more people as a result. Like, there's so many... I, I could go on and on. There's so many great ways that technology is helping. I mean, yes, there are tons of negatives, but the fact that, as you were saying, like, yeah, the conjugating is the issue really blows my mind. Well, this was great. This was fun. Bless everyone who has to edit this now. <laughs> and by that, I mean, I mean you and your partner, Owen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely a learning curve but it's all in good faith thank you stay thank safe
0: you. yes Ooh, i like that we should say that stay safe stay hydrated
1: <laughs> stay hydrated drink water be mindful i don't know i feel like this is cheesy yes yeah.
0: we've now become a, a full meditation podcast I mean, for anyone that listens, you can also give us some hints, some ideas on how we should end our podcast. But for now, I guess we will say our name, our dramatic assets, or should we say our, our acronym, OAD? No, we should say, I. I've reached a point where I can't make decisions. Ryan,
1: <laughs> what should we do? We could say both. I'm going to say this is OAD, our dramatic assets. Thank you for listening and goodbye goodbye bye Bye. bye